I don't even know if that's even important. Pete's not really a big character in this book. I was going to say, we're bigging up Pete in a way that he doesn't really deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident everything LA expert Ella Kopakin. Now before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to us. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in every conversation. At the beginning of each month, I outline the books that we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. And if you like this episode, please go give it a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. book podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Miller. With me today is Ella, our resident LA fanatic expert. Here I am. Here she is. We're back. We're back. I don't even know know what your genre is. I just feel like it's LA 90s, 80s. I don't know. That seems fair. LA? Is that LA with like a rogue under the banner of heaven in the middle? (laughs) And dark matter. <laughs> and dark matter. I feel like my genre is just like miscellaneous. It's yeah. Like, uh, the pick of the week. It's the catch all. Like, oh. It's the catch all. <laughs> Listen, I'm versatile. Guys, <laughs> let's talk about it. But, anyways, we're here to talk about Daisy Jones and the Six by yes, Taylor we Jenkins Reid. We've got two See, different covers here. You got the cool cover, man. This is what I'm irritated about. Amazon keeps ripping me out of cool covers because Mm. they want me to get, like, the newest edition. I don't want the newest edition. No. See, your Daisy on the cover of yours looks more like what I imagine Daisy Jones to look like. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There she is. I mean, this is a visual medium. Yeah, she's got the ferret faucet hair. She's got kind of the hooded eyes, the big full lips. Mm. That's it. Daisy Jones. That's it. So let's dig into it. Um, let's do it. Let's kind of go through. So this book is written in a way that it's an interview with um, some band members and people that are close to the band, um, some managers, some family members. Uh, it's an oral history. It's an oral history. And so it's told kind of in a dialogue type setting. So each person has their own, you know, you're kind of switching between voices of people telling the story of this of the rise and fall of this band. Um, and so you have different characters that are making their entrance in this throughout this whole story. Um, so let's just kind of go through and name the band members, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, the main one, so there's Daisy Jones, who's the singer, but, like, isn't originally part of the band kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She has a friend named Simone who comes up quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the band members themselves are Billy Dunn, his brother Graham Dunn, the keyboardist Karen, Karen Karen, they call her. Karen Karen. Um, there's Eddie. I don't know what he plays. He's he's the Groucho one though. He he every time he's, that yeah. he's the guitarist, right? I maybe he's or bass. Bass. Yeah, no bass. Then there's Warren. Who plays I think, like the, the drums? Does yeah. he play the drums? Oh, and then of course there's Billy's wife, Camilla, who mm-hmm. is not a member of the six, but is a very prominent part of this. And book. then the one guy who goes back to his wife, or like who marries the one guy. Oh, Pete. Pete, that's who I'm thinking of. Pete, who plays. Pete's the guitarist. He's the guitarist. No, Graham's the guitarist. Oh, then who the hell is Pete? I just, it's a great question to ask a person, and I can't even find Pete, let alone tell you what he plays <laughs> in this book. This is going so, well. This is going awesome, and thank you everyone for sticking with us. <laughs> well, um, uh, let, let's let's talk. We'll about get it. back to it. Um, we'll get back to Pete. To be, I don't even know you, if that's even important. Pete's not really a big character in this book. I was going to say player. we're bigging up Pete in a way that he doesn't really deserve. <laughs> he um, but anyway, so that there, there's your band. You have Camilla, who's the wife of Billy, um, and then you also have Simone, who's the friend of Daisy, and then you have the um, manager. He again doesn't again really not a huge matter. player. We don't yeah, really need not him. a huge player. Um, Rod, Rod, there it is. <laughs> Rod, the manager. Rod. Not enough people named Rod these days. It's not a great name, if we're being honest with ourselves. I wouldn't say that I would name a child Rod. Yeah. Nah, you don't see many five-year-olds running around. Rod! (laughs) Rod, get back here! (laughs) Rod! Quit Mm -hmm. playing on the jungle gym! (laughs) Anyway. Um, And so we we start out, uh, we kind of give the background of how this band started. Originally, uh, it was... Billy and Graham, the brothers, and they kind of form their own band. Uh, Billy's the main singer. They um, they decided to call themselves the Six because they had six, six people. people. Really original. <laughs> Just spot Love on. already. By and the way, we should say that this is fictional. This is fictional. Even though it's written as nonfiction, it is a fictional book. Do you mind if I set the scene a yeah. little bit? It's the late 1960s, I think, when it starts. Right. Because they don't get famous until, I think, the late 1960s, if not the early 1970s, I think, is when Aurora is released. But let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, because they fall in 1979. Okay, so it's th- throughout the 70s is they're like, <laughs> they start in the late 1960s and then the, they get big in the, the, why can't I speak? The <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> but they like start out as a band, I think, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then they end up moving to L.A. And Daisy Jones is kind of like, I don't know, she's kind of this, like, if you've ever seen almost famous Penny Lane type character, except if Penny Lane, like, actually was a musician. So mm-hmm. it's like, she is a singer, but she's also kind of a socialite, but she's also a, I think she plays guitar or piano mm-hmm. or, she's just kind yeah, of, piano. she's kind of a little bit of everything type of person um so she like is doing her own thing and doesn't really want to be a singer but then is kind of drawn into singing by this boyfriend and is a songwriter 
and then basically ends up guesting on this song with the six and the six are starting to kind of gain some traction and then when the two of them join it then becomes like monumental in this album called aurora and then it all kind of crumbles and falls apart because daisy and billy just can't get along mm-hmm. and a big part of that tension is billy is a recovering addict so he's sober oh i thought you were gonna say it's sexual because a big part of well, that, that tension too. is sexual tension <laughs> they have tension because there's a lot of sexual tension and they also have tension because billy's a sober recovering addict and Daisy Jones is high off her booty all the time, or drunk, yeah. all the time. All the time. And Billy is a family man, and Daisy is very much a single lady, mm-hmm. and that doesn't exactly help. No. I mean, the other reason, should we, like, kind of go over the other major, like, romantic relationships in the book first, just to set it? Yeah, 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 because, so you have, you have Graham and Karen, you have this, you know relationship that's behind the scenes like they don't want anybody to know they're just having fun graham wants it to become more serious karen does not um and then i don't know if we need to get into it but when karen gets pregnant she ends up wanting to end the pregnancy because she doesn't want to be a mom and she has this big conversation with camilla who's billy's wife and just saying that family life is not for me and yeah. Graham wants that, and I cannot provide that for him. So they end up splitting in a very um, messy way. Yeah, so you- it's a messy, it's a messy split. Then there's Billy and Camilla are kind of like the central relationship. Camilla and Billy meet before they become the six become really big, mm-hmm. and then they end up getting married like around the time that the six get their first record contract and are like making their first album before Daisy comes into the picture with them. And then Daisy kind of has dalliances with a few other people. She ends up marrying this guy, Niccolo, who's like a Italian prince and is just like very like kind of um, Jim Morrison, self-destructive type. Like, the worst. And then yes. obviously like Billy and Daisy like each, like love each other, but like it's very messy and like that's kind of the central thing of the book. I feel like there was a quote somewhere in here about that, but you continue. <laughs> I continue. Anyway. Point being that, like, the central, I would say that this the core three of the book are kind of Billy, Camilla, and Daisy, and Billy's commitment to Camilla while also having this creative relationship with Daisy that is clearly romantic and sexual, but, like, they don't act on it, um, and he makes a very conscious choice not to act on it because he is committed to Camilla and also because he doesn't want to ultimately get involved again with drugs but Mm -hmm. the book ends on a note of camilla has passed away and before she died she left a note basically telling her daughter to tell billy to contact daisy again and it's kind of alluded to that like daisy and billy will perhaps be together now that camilla has passed away Mm -hmm. that's the summary that's that was perfect. Great, grand. Let's talk about let's talk about <clears throat> what we liked. Um, let's get into the what we liked about this book. Okay. First of all, let me say this is my favorite book that we've read so far. Definitely loved me it. Too. I was yeah. Like it's just incredibly well written, and it's like even though there are characters who I don't like, 
it's because they're so fully thought out. Yeah. And it's crazy how well I, I usually straight, I tend to stay away from novels like this that are written um, kind of like, I don't know, written in such a dialogue where it's like very short and choppy and like, it's just like going from person to person talking. Like, I feel mm. like for some reason that always like deters me um, because I don't, I feel like I never can get quite like into the novel and sometimes I get characters mixed up, but this like phenomenally written where each character had their own voice, like not one character sounded the same. And so when no. someone was talking, you were like, that's Graham or that's Billy. That's like, and that's where I think she just excels is that character development was so good. Totally. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, even the, like, even Warren, who's clearly written as the comedic relief, who's kind of just like the sexual non sequiturs <laughs> yeah. that you're like, oh my God, I love you, dude. Like in the end of the book, I just have to, I just have to shout out Warren because Warren's an absolute G. In the book, he <laughs> talks about the woman that he married and he's like, what did he say? Oh, no one asks me to sign their tits anymore. Occasionally, Lisa, his <laughs> wife, does just to be nice. And I take her up on it because there are about a million different guys who would have loved to sign Lisa's tits at some point in their lives. I try I'm never to lose sight of that. What a guy. <laughs> what, what a, a guy. guy. <laughs> but it's just like even those characters, they get a resolution and they are thought out to the extent that you may not need to know everything about them, but you know their personality so mm -hmm. strongly and i just mm -hmm. think like it takes such a talented author to be able to balance like seven main characters or eight main characters and then also balancing like other side characters who come in for a scene and they're thought out like mm -hmm. everyone feels like a real human voice so it's, it's just crazy to me that a she is not a boomer and yet she was writing from the perspective of people who were, like, thriving in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And then also that she's just, like, has a conscious enough historical voice, but also a conscious enough, like, insight into, like, both women and men's psyche that she could write from both perspectives. I mean, yeah, huge big ups to Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... It's it's honestly incredible. <laughs> like yeah. it's honestly incredible how how well thought out these characters are. And you know it took like she took time to really draft out each of these these characters' backstories, what this person is, like who this person to their core is. And I think that plays really well into like the relationship between Billy and Camilla, which is one of my like favorite pairs in a book ever. Mm. <laughs> because totally. it is messy. But it's also, like, she makes she makes this, like, love story into something that is, like, completely real that you would see in, the, you would see in like, your everyday life where it's not easy and it's not a storybook ending. I underline this quote where he's talking about his relationship with Camilla and he's talking about her trust in him with Daisy, that, that like, unwavering trust that he's not going to do anything with Daisy. And he said, like, this is how their relationship was. And so he said, I had, I had hurt Camilla. God knows I had. But loving someone isn't perfection and good times and laughing and making love. Love is forgiveness and patience and faith. And every once in a while, it's a gut punch. And it's that so good. was like, boom. And she, and it's not just like saying a quote like that and then moving on. Like, she describes that. 
using their relationship. Like, yeah, you know, you know, he has the trust in her that she went and visited like an old friend and then like, didn't really talk about it afterward. And then they were like, okay, let's move on. Like, yeah. And that was just their relationship. And that's like a real life relationship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say we'll get to like the things that I, I had a problem with and I didn't have a problem with a lot of this book. It, historically I kind of did but relationship wise she concocts these three very different romantic relationships and they're all so real like Billy and Camilla are very point blank about the fact that they love each other but more important than the love that they have for each other is the priority that they have for family and Mm -hmm. for building something Mm -hmm. and that feels very real and then there's Graham and Karen who are two people who are in love with each other, but are not, they don't have a mutual idea of the future in the way that Billy and Camilla do and don't mm-hmm. ultimately work out, but you still fall in love with their love, which is mm-hmm. so different and so much lighter and freer than Billy and Camilla's love is. And then you have this unsaid connection bet- or un- unacted upon connection between Billy and Daisy That's kind of, I think, the love that on paper or on the screen, so many people romanticize, but it's showing the ugly side of that. It's like Mm -hmm. in most movies or in most narratives like that, we're taught that, you know, we love the mutual depression and negativity of Billy and Daisy and they're going to fall in love with each other and it's awesome. Yeah. And this book calls that out. I mean, there's a quote by Karen. Let me just find it really quickly because it's my favorite quote in the book. Karen says, I don't believe in soulmates anymore, and I'm not looking for anything, but if I did believe in them, I'd believe your soulmate was somebody who had all the things you didn't, that needed all the things you had, not somebody who's suffering from the same stuff you are. Mm, I underline that one too. It's so good. Queen Karen, let me talk about Karen forever. (laughs) I love her. I love Karen and Camilla. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, continue. No, that scene, like you brought that up, Camilla and and Karen have this outsider look almost onto the band. And it's it's something that's like very needed because sometimes if you like are writing about a band and you're only talking about the band, it can get like a little convoluted. But if you have these kind of outside perspectives kind of jabbing holes in it and kind of being like, well, let's like look at it this way. And I think with Camilla, there's that scene of her and Daisy like in the hotel room and Camilla just addresses you know like listen this is not going to happen between you and Billy like this connection that you feel like you cannot act upon it and it's kind of like a gut punch to to Daisy where it's like yeah this is like the moment that you know I can't go on tour with this person like I can't I can't physically be in the same room with this person without acting upon these feelings that I have for this person. So yeah. the best thing I can do is walk away. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. I don't know. Like just the confidence that you have to have in your relationship with someone for you to walk up to a woman like Daisy Jones and just say that. And then just yeah. hope for the best when you walk out of that room. It's unbelievable. Like, I hope that sticks. Camilla as a character is fascinating because I think she chooses to be a housewife and she even says it in the book. I am paraphrasing, but at one point she says something to the equivalent of everybody is good at something. 
I'm good at being a mom. Mm-hmm. And that's what she wanted. She met Billy. She realized she was the guy who wanted to, she wanted to start a family with. And she's in a lot of the book peripherally because she's there when he gets home from tour. She's mm-hmm. there when he's calling. She sometimes goes on tour with him, but it's always with her kids. Like she is very singularly focused in the fact that she wants stability and she wants that stability with Billy mm-hmm. and she will mold him to be that. And he is happy for her to mold him because at one point in the book, he says something to the equivalent of, I want to be the person that she wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And there, I think it's hard to choose what kind of love you want out of the Graham or Karen versus the Billy or Camilla thing. Because I think what's heartbreaking about Graham and Karen is I almost feel like they weren't trying to change each other as much as Camilla wants to change Billy. And in that respect, I liked them more. Mm -hmm. But what's heartbreaking is that in the fact that they didn't want to change each other, they didn't like what they couldn't change. Like it kind of doesn't make sense, but it's like, they respected each other so much and in the end ultimately that respect cost them their relationship because they they couldn't ask the other person to change for them Mm -hmm. and that's powerful oh it's so powerful (laughs) it's so powerful like it's mm, i think this is one of the no no you're fine i was just gonna say i think this is one of those books where you read it and you feel something and you're really enjoying the read and you're really digging into these characters. You're really following the storyline. You're really in it. And then you put it down and then you start talking like we're talking with someone about it. It hits you a lot harder once you put it down. Yeah, it does. It hit hard. It hit hard when I read it, but it hits hard when you're talking about it and you're like digging into it. Well, when you're digging into it, I mean, I think it's just like, it doesn't, it's not conventional. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's funny because it's a book that tricks you. Because when I started this book and it was so heavy on Daisy, which I think from what I'm gathering, you and I will get to Daisy and what we like less about the book. Um, I'm not a huge Daisy Jones stan, let's put it that way. Um, but I do have to say that I admire so much how unlikable Taylor Jenkins Reid is able to make her because like it's very hard to concoct a villain and Daisy Jones to me is an antagonist. I don't know about to other people, but um, no, I was just going to say like at the beginning of this book, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be some other fan fiction about how great life was to live in the late 1960s. Great. I can't wait to read this. And then you start to get deeper into it and she's like, no, 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 no that's just the scene Mm -hmm. i'm looking at human relationships Mm -hmm. and she has insight into relationships that honestly like not a lot of other books that i've read have even scratched the Mm -hmm. way that she is able to like write about love Mm -hmm. here's the thing though is that uh sorry i'm gonna get nerdy but like the 70s was such a fascinating time in music and particularly in la because it's like a blend of so many different genres and i think she really takes from that kind of motif and almost takes it with the characters it's like no one in this book is one thing like Mm -hmm. even though I'm not a huge Daisy Jones fan she has redeeming qualities and that's what makes it infuriating and then there are characters that I really love like Billy or Camilla that have qualities that I don't like Mm -hmm. and and they feel very very real because of that I mean I 
I, again, I, I want to save this for the parts that we don't like. I do think to an extent she went a little fan fiction-y with how she portrays the the connection between the men and women in this book. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lack of very real misogyny and sexism that isn't in this book, except for when it pertains to Daisy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's kind of a two-dimensional quality with how she does deal with, like, the drug abuse and the sexism. Like... Mm-hmm. it does feel kind of like she was like okay if I were to write my ideal 60s this is how it would go or my ideal 70s this is how it would go but I think just taking the characters for who they are like yeah Billy going to rehab makes sense Camilla telling Billy to go to rehab makes sense Daisy being unable to recover makes sense like there is no decision in this book that feels like she made it without the author made it without reason mm-hmm uh, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% stand by that. So let's let's get into what we didn't like, because I can tell you're just first. I want to talk about seams. Dave. <laughs> um, let's you start go. with you. No, you go. I have to say, there is not a lot I don't like about this book. I do think... I think that Daisy Jones was written in a way where I wish she was, like, a little... I don't know how to put, I don't know how to put my finger on it. I, it's almost as if like she's not strong enough and she's kind of like a whiner <laughs> about a lot of stuff. So but much. It, but it's like, is that a reason? Is that just me like hating the character or is that me hating like the character development? Like is, you know, it's like a weird thing. What yeah, it's thoughts? really weird. I, well, I was going to say that exact same thing. It's like, I actually think that she is so well-written, and that's why I don't like her. Like, I think it's actually not something I dislike about the book. Like, I think it's, (laughs) she did a great job. But it's like, the character is so annoying. And if she were written for, like, as living in today, she would be like an influencer or like a social justice warrior. Like, she's like... Uh, you know, everything is like, well, I'm going to wear whatever I want to. And, like, if people get annoyed, like, screw them. Like, it's like, you know, her MO is she's tall, she's skinny, she's gorgeous. She can wear whatever she wants. She can eat whatever she wants. She's, like, you know, the messy drug addict that you fall in love with. She's, like, good at everything, infuriatingly so, to the point where she can just, like, pick up a guitar and play. And she could just sing amazingly and has, like, epic style and whatever. And, of course, we love to, like, dislike those characters anyway because it's, like, the popular mean girl is not an original M.O. But I think Mm -hmm. what's, like, so annoying about her is just, like, she just won't shut up. Like, it's, like, she's just so annoying to me. She's... That classic friend who makes every wrong decision possible and still ends up okay, and that's <laughs> annoying. Like, yeah. she just, she's hurt, but she's never hurt enough that she's completely torn down. And then mm-hmm. even when she does get completely torn down, it's like she ends up being so aware that you forgive her. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing that can ever touch her. And I, I do think, like, the relationship with Billy and Camilla, it's like Camilla is the one person who's like, sets a boundary for her Mm -hmm. but that's basically it but it's like I almost like there are people like that in this world no I know yeah (laughs) and it sucks but like here I found the quote though she goes um I run hot I always have 
I'm not going to sit around sweating my ass off so men can feel more comfortable. It's not my responsibility to turn them on. It's my it's their responsibility to not be an asshole. <laughs> it's like, okay, hon, like, go off queen, I guess. There are so many periods in the book where it's like, she'll show up to the studio in shorts and a tank top and then immediately ask for someone's coat. And there are so many quotes with Billy being like, why didn't she just wear a sweater? She could have just worn a sweater. And you're like, yes, that's correct. Correct, Billy. I'm it with is. you. But, you know, she, but she, yeah. she won't wear it because she runs hot. Because she runs <laughs> hot. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, she. It's it's interesting to write a book like this from the perspective of, like, them older reflecting. Mm-hmm. Because she's writing, like, you're made to you're made to think that in the future Daisy gets clean and she, you know, like has meditation in her life and, and has become quite healthy and all that. And so she can like forgive her past behaviors or like acknowledge that she's being an asshole. The thing is she doesn't really acknowledge that she's being an asshole. Like she says it sometimes, but it's like, she's just unapologetic and you're right. There are people like that and they annoy me. Yeah, no, it's so true. Like, it is fascinating when you say that too, because sometimes you even forget that you're reading when you're when when Daisy is talking, you almost forget that you're reading them. You know, what fifty, thirty years later, forty years later, yeah, something like that. Something like that. You almost forget that they're looking back on it because Daisy is still so in into herself and her yes. abilities. Yes. And what you know, like this wasn't a mistake. But, like, almost saying like that. Like, it was never really a mistake. It led me to where I am today kind of thing. And you're yeah. always like, God, that's only what successful people say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally. Like, there's at one point she's talking about her marriage, which ends in, like, horrible, like, carnage. Like, her husband is basically, like, a emotionally an emotional terrorist. And she, like, writes in the book, like, or she says in the book, like, I regret the marriage. I don't regret that dress. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like everything is so glib and it's so annoying because yeah, yeah, you're right in the sense that like, well, it's funny because Eddie, who's the negative voice in the book who really doesn't like Daisy and really doesn't like Billy kind of says that they're two sides of the, the same coin repeatedly. And it's true. But I almost think that because Billy had Camilla to check him, his mm-hmm. ego didn't go to the place that Daisy's did. And because Daisy had nobody checking her, she just got to run wild with her personality. And it ended up causing a lot of havoc. But also she gets to be like, I was so wild <laughs> once. And now I'm just like rich. <laughs> yeah, you could play Daisy. <laughs> if only I feel like everyone has a Daisy Jones in their life that they're like totally mother whether they like them or like whether they're good friends with them or they're people that you're absolutely despise you're just kind of yeah. like yep yep yeah it's narcissism <laughs> isn't it it's like my Daisy Jones in my life is not a narcissist yeah I have known Daisy Joneses who are narcissists and they're not fun to be around no and honestly when you were talking about like Billy being checked for some reason this scene came up but with um like her relationships like also span over the brotherly relationship between um Graham and Billy yeah which is kind of an interesting because you kind of have Graham who doesn't really want to be in like he he likes being in the band but he doesn't really want to be the spotlight like the 
the kid, but he also is like a little bit jealous of Billy for getting that attention. And then you have that scene at the very end or like toward the very end where Graham just blew up at um, Karen for, for ending the pregnancy. And he goes downstairs and all he wants to do is talk to his brother. And then his brother just like blows him off to try to go get a drink at the bar. Yeah. And that scene is like heartbreaking. Cause you know that Graham just wants his big brother. And like for someone like me who has a big brother and like, I know how important those conversations are. I like almost started crying. I was just like, that feeling of like wanting to talk to your brother and then if that option is not there like and it uh just broke my heart (laughs) but that's like how good of a writer she is to like even tap into that relationship because that relationship is just as important as these like romantic relationships and it's like you get that like build up of like how Graham looks up to his brother how he acknowledges his brother's failures when he was you know becoming an addict and he was like acting upon those tendencies and then like rooting for him when he gets clean. And then the one time that Graham actually needs him is the one time that he's not available. Yeah. It's just, it sucks. It's so heart wrenching. I mean, like you're saying, yeah, she does a great job of building the Graham Billy relationship. She does a great job of building Camilla and Daisy, Camilla and Karen, Karen and Daisy to an extent like everybody is really built out and I so respect that I just have to really just to go back to stuff we like really quickly I loved Graham and Karen at one point Karen says I, I totally out of the loop I don't like limes actually I don't I'm not really a fan and the next thing that Bill that Graham says is something like Karen hates citrus <laughs> and it's just like he picked up on every detail and he was so in love with her and the thing is Again, we talk about how there are elements that we like and don't like about this character. Graham is super chill. And then, yeah, he's really not cool about this abortion. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck, Graham, or excuse my language, ding, Graham, like, why, why can't you be supportive in this moment? Why can't you understand that she doesn't want kids? Why can you not be there? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like this one breach of trust that maybe they could have kept going, but ultimately they couldn't because of this fundamental difference. But they were just so cool, man. Because, yeah, they're the two characters in the book that are just like, I'm just happy to be here. Mm-hmm. And when they get together, it's like totally out of the blue. Karen just calls him up at, at, in her hotel room being like, why haven't you ever tried to sleep with me? And he's like, well, I didn't think I'd have a chance. And she's like, well, you would. <laughs> And then he runs down the hallway. Like, they're really cute. They have sex in the studio all the time for no reason. Like, they're just living life. It's really adorable. So I just think they're incredibly well-written. But back to what we didn't like. My one big criticism. Because Ella's always got to have one big criticism. Oh, you got to. Speak nothing less. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that I don't feel like... I think that the relationships were rooted in reality. I think that the characters had a lot that was real about them. But I don't think that her, Taylor Jenkins Reid's grasp on the time period was fully accurate in how she deals with the men and the women and how they interact. Like, Mm -hmm. Billy is very much solely devoted to Camilla. I can't think of a single rock star (laughs) in this period 
that was like that. And yes, of course, he has like the cheating phase early on when he's still an addict, but that basically gets blamed on his addiction. And I just Mm -hmm. don't think that that's very realistic. I also just don't think that like Daisy Jones, given how much kind of mayhem she caused, really fully could exist. Because it's like, I guess the only person who I could kind of attribute her to was Janis Joplin, but I think... First of all, Janis Joplin didn't get out alive. And second of all, Janis Joplin famously was very insecure and was not this kind of, like, classic beauty that Daisy Jones supposedly is. Mm -hmm. And I think just, like, how effortlessly she walks through life is very 20... is very 2000s and 2010s. Because, to be honest, I just don't think that she would have gotten away with not having a run-in with, like, a molestation or something very dark given the mm-hmm. time period and where they were. Um, so that was my that was my one big thing, was it was like, it felt close to reality, but none of it fully felt like it was acknowledging actually how very different the sexual politics, even though we still have such a long way to go, how very different the sexual politics of the 1960s and 70s were compared mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for someone like me who doesn't, have a whole lot of like grasp on that time period and like I don't know a lot about it that didn't phase me um, Mm. because I don't I don't have that background knowledge like you do and I but I see exactly where you're coming from and so I could see like that being an issue let's get into our final ratings unless you have anything else you would like to add no just that um I can't wait to see what they do with this tv series yeah because, like, I've never read a book that I was like, oh, my God, like, who are they going to cast? Like, everybody needs to be perfect. Yes. Like, because she describes them so distinctly in the book. Like, down to what they wear. Like, Karen is turtlenecks and, like, t-shirts. Daisy is, like, you know, tight, tight, skinny shorts. and Or short shorts and, like, skinny, skinny, t- <laughs> skinny shorts and, like, tank tops. And, like, I just, I can't wait. You know, Billy is the denim on denim. Like, I can't wait to see how they bring this to life. I give it a five out of five. Same. I will give it a five out of five. Readability, check. Characters, check. Uh, I mean, like, the whole thing is a check plus, 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 plus. Yeah. I am now a Taylor Jenkins Reid fan for life. She's got one right here. I will read anything that this woman comes out with. Now, let's get into pairings, where we dive into TV shows, books, movies that remind us of this uh, book and something that maybe you want to take a look at if uh, once you're done reading this book. Love it. Um... I will start off, this is, this is kind of a funny one, just bear with me here. Um, Gem and the Holograms. Mm, <laughs> Hon- honestly, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I'm not going to lie, like I, I'll say it right here. I am, I'm being honest, guys. I'm being honest here, I'm, I'm unveiling some layers about myself. I love any movie that is about a band that has songs. So Gem and the Holograms, um, also give me uh, Julie and the Phantoms. <laughs> Her Smell? You ever watched Her Smell? No. Oh, Elizabeth Moss? It's incredible. Okay. She plays punk singer. She basically plays a Daisy Jones type in an all-girl band. It's incredible. Sorry, go So on. there you go. Yeah, I just think Jem in that story is a lot like Daisy Jones, where kind of loses her way, um, starts off in a band. She's a little more humble, but just kind of loses her way into the, the fame and the 
in the lights and then has to find your way back. So Ooh. it's really good if you haven't seen it. It's kind of cheesy, but just just lean into it. Stick with it. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. You will go far. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd say, honestly, the, a similar book would be, um, I think I, I also said this for the Malibu Rising book, but The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. That's the book that reminds me of this. Because mm. um, it is a rise and fall of a, uh, of a band. And it's uh, it's an all it's an all female band, and they do kind of a similar thing where they interview the people um, like nowadays as they look back and they flash back to the the days when their band was coming to fame. And so uh, Cassidy Holmes in that book, or yeah, Cassidy Holmes in that book is very similar to Daisy Jones. Okay, very cool. So it's a very good book um, as well, but I think Daisy Jones does it a little better, but controversial controversial Mm -hmm. opinion um yeah i'm trying to think i mean i feel like this is a great almost famous pairing again but we've already (laughs) paired almost famous it's like how many times can i pair almost famous with something all the time all the time um i'm trying to think of like i i think if you want like the rise and fall of a band that thing you do is an awesome movie it's directed by tom hanks came out in the 90s it's about a band in the early 60s that's a one-hit wonder. Liv Tyler is in it. Um, classic kind of Liv Tyler role. Everybody's very cute. You know, it's like, it's the early 90s, but it's like about the 60s, and that's incredible. I, I have a niche love for movies that were made in the 90s that are like about a former period. Um, another really good one that I feel like, for better or worse, The Doors. You know, the movie... Not historically accurate in the slightest. Is it entertaining? 110%. Is Val Kilmer really cute in it? Yeah, guys. And if you want the story of a tortured rock star who's really full of themselves, Jim Morrison is the way to go, man. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to say that thing you do and the doors. I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, honestly, I'm just really excited for this TV show because I don't think that there's been a TV show that's like about this period. Oh, you know what I was going to suggest? Sorry, I just I just remembered. There, yeah. Shampoo. 1975, I believe, starring Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, Goldie, Goldie Hawn. Ooh. If you want an idea of, like, what a romanticized 70s L.A. is, shampoo all the way. He plays a hairdresser who's based on um, Jay Sebring, who was, like, a celebrity hairdresser who yeah. ended up, unfortunately, getting killed in the Sharon Tate murder, uh, the Manson murder. But, oh, man, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you just want to, like, get lost in 70s L.A., there, there is no better there is no better movie, in my opinion. Okay. I'm actually probably going to put that on my list. That sounds interesting. Watch Shampoo. Watch Shampoo. Awesome. Well, folks, there you have it. We liked this book. So, hey. Which is really <laughs> rare for me. So, guys, like, I'm giving this a five. Go like, listen read up. it. It is Ella approved. With a Ka-ching. stamp. <laughs> you should get a picture of me holding a thumbs up. And that'll be a little circle. Well, thank you everyone for listening as always. Um, if you want to tell us that we were absolutely wrong and you hated this book, please do. Um, find us on Instagram and uh, let us know your opinion. Well, until next time, we will see you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. 
Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. And if you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Lastly, that's Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And stay tuned for the Small Sips episode at the end of the week, where I'll do a 10-minute deep dive on any book-related topic, and this week I'm diving into my best beach reads as we close out the summer. And next Monday, Sierra and I will be discussing book one of the Crescent City series by Sarah J. Mass, House of Earth and Blood. It's a big old book with an even bigger conversation, so you really don't want to miss it. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thank you.